the Space Kid Podcast, where we are bringing the galaxy to your doorstep. I'm your host, Ishan, and I want to get started by talking a little bit about myself. I'm a fourth grader at Spicer Elementary. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm nine years old. Today, I will be joined by my dad, Rohit. What's going on, Ishan? And you might be wondering, why do I even like space at all? Why do you like space, Mr. Ishan Cha? Well... For starters, I had a project I had to do at school, and it was a, it had to be about any body in space. So this could be the sun, or a star, or a planet. And I chose the planet Saturn, just because I liked its rings. And after a little bit of just gazing into the pictures of Saturn, I became enchanted. Enchanted? Powerful. And it was just so beautiful. And from that moment on, I was obsessed with space. Would you say it's your first true love? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many different topics to talk about, Yishan. Where do we even begin? I mean, since space is infinite, I guess like there's an infinite amount of topics to discuss on this podcast. That's a great point. Yeah, we're, but you know, where do we even begin? We start with space travel? Or maybe space exploration, or what it's like to live on the ISS. Or live on Mars or the moon. Or what it's like to go through liftoff. You know, there's so many topics. I think I'm intrigued with the space travel topic, just because that'd be a good starter for our podcast. That's a great place. You know, I mean, the history is so long, but if we start with space travel, maybe we anchor into exactly where we want and go from there. All right. Most of the um, interest is coming from military space weapons and, like, space bombs and, like, how much power they could seize if they had access to space. Really? It wasn't about exploration and the final frontier and all those other well, great things? Well, a lot of that, but I think a lot of it was intrigued by that. Hmm. I guess it's all about war for some countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Another reason is that we want to get more knowledge on how we can save this Earth from like global warming and those problems, and how we can do more research on whether plants can grow in zero gravity and in the environment of space. And really, it would be so much cooler if we had access to space, right? Just think of all the possibility. You're basically talking about exploration into a livable ecosystem outside of Earth, whether it's space or another planet and, or anything else. And tourism. Tourism, tourism too. will probably be a big part. Yeah. Why go to the Taj Mahal when you could go to Mars? <laughs> yeah. Although, um, what I do want to say is I'm not going to Mars until people have been successfully going with that one fail for like, what, 30 years? That's a long ways away from now. Although I do want to say it... Just a little side comment. It takes uh, like nine years to get to Mars. I mean, nine months to get to Mars. Does it really? Yeah. Wow. Until they invent time travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, until we invent warp wormholes that we can make and control. Wow. That is, that is, that's a topic for another discussion for sure. <laughs> so, really, let's get started with the first person in space. Enough about why we are interested in space. Let's talk about action. So really, the first the first country to get the lead in having people in space was Russia. 
and um, they started with the Sputnik satellite, and the first launch of that was just an orbital test mission to make sure we can get into space before we actually launch people. And Sputnik 2 launched a dog named Laika, and Laika was a street dog in the Russian streets, and uh, the whole reason why they launched her was to know if could you actually could a human being actually survive in space or any being because it wasn't yeah, human yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but could a living being survive in space and like i did live in space for a little bit although unfortunately the cooling system on the satellite failed and like was overheated so she died oh no cooked puppy oh that's really sad <laughs> and then sad. And then this satellite eventually fell back to Earth and disintegrated in the atmosphere. Are you telling me a dog has achieved more than humans when it comes to space travel? At least at one point in time, was that, that was the case? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Never underestimate the power of a puppy. <laughs> so next, Yuri Gagarin. Who's Yuri? He's a Russian cosmonaut. Okay. And he was the first person... What's a cosmonaut? I'm sorry to interrupt. It's basically... What Russians call an astronaut. I get it. Got it. Okay. So, Yuri Gagarin went up in the Sputnik satellite and was the first person on the whole world to have access to space and to be in space. Hmm. Now, this mission wasn't orbital. It probably just kissed right above the Kármán line, which... What line? What is that? The Kármán line is the border between... Earth's atmosphere and space. Hmm. So once you're past the Kármán line, once a rocket is past the Kármán line, it is officially in space. Got it. So Yuri goes up into space, but you might be wondering, did they attempt to get him back? He, I hope he didn't meet a similar fate as like. Yeah, no one to have another burned up individual, unfortunately. So... He did not meet the same fate as Laika, luckily, and he came back to Earth on just ejector thing from, it's probably, imagine like a cylinder that you're lying straight down on. Got it. And it comes out of the rocket ship, and there's probably a heat shield on the bottom and glass on the top, and it just flies back down to Earth. I'm pretty sure that's how he came back down. You're telling me a giant soup can... With a window on it? <laughs> yeah, basically. Man. And a heat shield. And, and a, heat shield. a few okay. parachutes. Okay. Sounds uh sounds scary. <laughs> but I guess that's what space travel was like for the first human. I mean, being being an astronaut, you always have to accept risk. That's true. And no matter what, there's always gonna be risk. There will never be a time where there is a zero zero fail rocket. That's true. I guess, you know, you come to think of it and all the accomplishments that you know we as humankind have made when it comes to space travel and all that has come by many people risking their lives for exploration right and there's been lots of debts and but lots of discoveries too yeah yeah you just have to weigh the chances you yeah, know that's true. like um if you're like me and you're just completely so excited and like oh what's that Oh, what's that? And you're kind of like overwhelmed by the excitement by being an astronaut. And you don't like I personally, when I want to be an astronaut when I'm older, I don't think about any of the failure because I'm just so overwhelmed by the discoveries. Yeah. So right now I want to be an astronaut and I do not have any fear of failing because 
when you look at what we're at right now um, and the spacecraft that are taking people to the ISS and taking humankind into space, they're all really safe and had a very little failure rate. Dragon looks amazing. It looks really safe. It's ushering us into a great era. Soyuz, which Russians have been launching, it's been really, really, really successful. And there have been real, not very much failures. And that's really secure. And then the upcoming Boeing Starliner is amazing, too. Wow, you're, you're just dropping knowledge like nobody's business. But it really all started back with Yuri. As you were saying, Yuri, first human in space, flies in a soup can. Does he actually make it back to Earth in one piece? I'm pretty sure yes. Okay, awesome. So now you have the Russians who are full steam ahead. They've uh, got the first dog in space. They got the first human in space. What's next? The first frog in space? What's going on? So Americans later launched the first American in space and his name was Alan Shepard. And he actually not only when in space for the first he was a, he wasn't the only first american in space he also went on apollo 11. wow and what is apollo 11? it's the it's a mission that successfully brought people to the moon wow okay or actually apollo 14 excuse me correction so i think he goes up in a space what in 1961? yeah and then eventually in 1971 10 years later he walks on the moon yeah what an accomplished individual. Wow. Although, unfortunately, he died, I think, of a type of bone cancer. Oh, man. That's unfortunate. Well, it sounds like he had a life packed full of amazing experiences and memories. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, we... he Oh, by the way, Alan Shepard was born November 18, 1923, and he died July 21st, 1998. Got it. 74 years old. And um, the mission he took to be the first American in space was a Mercury Redstone 3. And that's the name of the rocket that he took? No, that's the name of the mission, I'm pretty sure. You got it. Okay. It might be the name of the rocket, but... Okay. Um, there, were, there isn't much word from the rockets back then. Got it. So, moving on, we're going to talk about John Glenn. He was the first American to orbit the Earth. Interesting. And orbit means actually get in a position where you're orbiting. That means you're just circling Earth. And you're not going to fall back down to Earth at any time. And you can just circle, circle, circle. So based on the conversation we had before, is this above the Kármán line or below it? This is way above. You way can't above. be above. You can't be anywhere close to the Kármán line to orbit. you got to basically be out in order yeah, to orbit. Got it. In order to orbit and stay in space without you firing your engines... You have to go sideways really fast. And you can imagine you'll have to be through the atmosphere to do that. Otherwise, the aerodynamic loads on the vehicle would probably virtually crush it. Got it. Interesting. So, John Glenn, 1962, a year after Alan Shepard goes up, John Glenn orbits the Earth. Mm-hmm. All right, Americans, go USA! <laughs> yeah. So, then, there was a competition for the moon. Okay. And... Um, the Americans only got their lead. So every, even India has landed a probe on the moon, I believe. And every country, I think, on Earth has landed a probe on the moon. But I think it's the Americans who are the only ones who've landed humankind on the moon. So 
we started with the whole reason why the Americans were the first one was because of the president at that time, who did a great job of leadership. So, who was the president at the time? John F. Kennedy. Okay, and I think that's the space race that you're about to talk about. Yes, the Cold War. The Cold War inspired space race. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tell me about that. And when the word came out about the push to get to the moon, John F. Kennedy said, in the next 10 years, we're going to the moon and bringing the person who goes to the moon back. Wow. Probably he said it more eloquently, but... (laughs) 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 So, um, Apollo 11 went to the moon and i have to say the apollo program there were it was amazing it was a new era of space age and there were no fails unless you count the test flight fail which was technically not a rocket fail but it was just the saturn V great rocket you know nasa i think was planning to build a saturn 8 Wow. And what does the Saturn need to? It's probably even more bigger. <laughs> but it's, pro- it, I don't, you don't have, we don't have much information about that because it never flew and there are probably very little plans. But this leads me to talk about the world's biggest rocket that never flew, the Sea Dragon. And this rocket was so big and the engine was so powerful, it had to be launched at sea because the shockwave would be terrible. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to learn more about that. We should do a special feature on that. Yeah. Sea Dragon. So moving on, the Apollo the Apollo missions, six missions successfully touched down on the moon and brought people back. Got it. And that allowed a total of 12 men to walk on the moon. And who was the first? And the first was... Um, Apollo 11. Okay. And, um, well, a lot of you hear about Commander Neil Armstrong because he was the commander, but mm-hmm. what about Buzz? Buzz Aldrin. Oh. He also walked on the moon, although the third crew member did not walk on the moon and was the one who stayed aboard the lunar lander during the EVA on the moon. Yeah. And the EVA's extravehicular activity, which is basically a fancy way of saying spacewalk. Got it. And getting out of your space vehicle. Awesome. So, Neil and Buzz first to land on the moon? Yes. And were they on the same time or were they separate missions? No, they were on the same mission. Got it. So, all on that Apollo 11 famous, mm-hmm. famous mission. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on even further, you know, expendable rockets were really costly, you know? Pretty expensive, like, yeah. You have to buy all that fuel just to get a rocket and a little payload into space. Mm -hmm. And so, United States set their eyes on a new program, which is reusable rockets. And this was well after the moon missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that you say they're expensive because I actually stumbled upon the quote that JFK said for both risky travel and expense. He said... I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. No single space project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important in the long-range exploration of space, and none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. So, wow. Back in the 1960s, JFK sets this mission, sets the leadership, and from then on out, U.S. is on a, on, a, on a tear to try to go forward and, and conquer space travel. And do the other countries actually follow the lead as well? 
Well, a lot of the countries landed probes on the moon, and uh, what's interesting is now there's so many rideshare programs. Like we've got SpaceX rideshare, and we've got Rocket Lab rideshare. Wait a minute. Are you talking rideshare like Uber and Lyft? Those kind of rideshares no. or some other kind of rideshare? So rideshare basically means getting a customer. Uh-huh. And the customer will give you a satellite like this payload, like the, the SALCOM IB satellite. And that helped like, with Earth science. And SpaceX launched that for their company, their, I mean their customer. And that was a rideshare because they didn't, they didn't develop that satellite. So they're getting paid by the other company to launch this. That's unbelievable. It's like the Uber of space, yeah. except uh, well before the Uber of cars. Okay, got it. So with growing with growing rideshare programs, there's going to be a lot more moon um, moon landers and probes because now the challenge of making a rocket that will bring the probe to the moon. Is that's that doesn't matter anymore. You just need to design a probe that can land on the moon from a short distance away. Got it. Interesting. So, you know, one thing that I don't know much about, maybe we should uh, talk a little bit more about it, is we have the U.S. and we know what the Russians and well, at the time the Soviet Union had had put into space, but I believe China and India also are involved yes. in space travel. Is yes. that right? So China. Currently has the Long March um, 2D and a lot more of those. And I'll probably go into more of Asia's space. Mm. But I believe France has Arian space. Wow. And they launched the Arian 5 and the Vega and a few others. And then India has a few more. I'll need to do some research because India um is not one of the most advanced countries in space technology but, but they're believe, still doing some i believe a lot of their leadership recently has also put that sort of mark yeah. in the sky saying we will be the you know next power to uh to to charter some i mean it's kind of it might and that might be it because you know u.s came out of nothing yeah that's true yeah and again, I think the cool thing about space exploration is it's not one country versus another. It seems to be one of those things where maybe at one point in time during the Cold War, the space exploration was all about figuring out the arms race and weaponry and whatnot. But now it's more about like partnership and exploring. Mm -hmm. yeah. You mentioned the Uber of ride sharing uh -huh. space travel. Yeah. Talk about the ISS, Ishan. I know that's also like something that's helped space travel more in more countries. And there. the ISS was a global project, but mm -hmm. it was mostly, most of the work was done by the U.S. fleet of space shuttles. But I want to add a quick side comment here, that the space shuttle, you could technically say it's U.S. and Canada's rocket. Oh. Because um, there's a robotic, so Canada specials, Specializes in robotics arms because okay. they built a lot for the they built like two of them for the ISS. So there's robotic Canada. arms. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like a like an arm that a human would use, like an arm. No, no, no like no? robotic arms on the outside. Oh, so got it. it can, they the astronauts don't have to always go on spacewalks. Like they're oh. controlled. It's like a remote control, like and, crane arm to yeah, help manipulate so things. Canada put a lot of those on the ISS, but not only the ISS on the space shuttle in the cargo bay. There's a robotic arm. Oh my god! That can be used to move stuff. Wow. So Canada is really specializing in robotic arms. Yeah, there you are. So talk about a multinational effort. 
space travel. We got the Canadians, we got the Americans, we got the Russians, we got the Chinese, we got the French, we got the Indian. Wow, am I missing any of the big countries that haven't been involved in space travel? I'm sure we are. No. <laughs> no, um, those are it? There's Greenland, though. Greenland? I think that's part of the U.S. But, okay. And I don't know what Australia is doing, but... They're probably involved somehow, too? Yeah, yeah. Space travel. The multi... Multi-country. That's awesome. I love it. It's nothing like the Concorde, or really nothing like the supersonic age. Because mm. the supersonic age was a competition. Yeah. And this is, I think it's turning, it's shaping out to be more of like a team effort between every country in the U.S. I, I hope it stays well that way. You know, yeah, I think nations yeah. sometimes get a little competitive. But to your point, hopefully if everyone has sort of the right mission and the advancement of total mankind, I think it'd be a pretty powerful thing. So back to the ISS. The ISS was mostly ferried out by the space shuttle and built by the space shuttle. But it was really a team effort with building the modules and stuff. And I'll probably um, maybe upload a diagram of the ISS to our website or maybe like go in a deep dive on the ISS in a different video. But really, it's, it's still, um, they think, um, NASA thinks they're going to retire it in really? 2024. But it serves so many missions. So many different people have gone up there. It's basically, you know, the apartment in space for so many people. I know. I don't know why they're going to retire it so soon, but I assume they have another plan of something else to build, like mm -hmm. a new space station that's going to be ferried up now by like commercial companies. Got it. Yeah, that's, hey, another, another topic to cover in a future podcast. So, moving on a few years, I want to talk about the space shuttle. And it was a really good a really good reliable transport to the space and to the ISS and and the space shuttle is a space shuttle program Sean is that what that yes is? Okay. the space shuttle program from the 1980s to the 2000s got it <clears throat> and what was it what was so successful about the program of the space shuttle so first it created the uh, first mostly reusable um, rocket hmm. for the United States the only part that was expended on the space shuttle was the big orange external fuel tank, a.k.a. the big orange one. That's what they call it? The big yeah, orange one? some people call it the big orange one. Mm. And that, that, so the big orange thing is where they put all the uh, jet fuel and stuff? That's where they put Rocket the fuel, fuel for the three main space shuttle engines, but I wouldn't call them main engines. Because once you get to the basics, you learn that those three engines, the fuel for those engines is not actually on the craft. So they have to use external fuel. Got it. Interesting. And they're only used at liftoff. So during the rest of the flight, they're probably just a bunch of dead mass. Wow. Very interesting. So um, the space shuttle, actually, from some of my research, I think most of its orbit was spent upside down. Whoa. They managed to recover a few satellites from the space shuttle, do a lot of repairs, and the big thing is they built the ISS with the space shuttle. That's interesting. So if the Apollo missions were all about manned spacecraft travel, spacecraft travel and landing on the moon, was the space shuttle's mission mostly about the ISS and building well, that? Well, the first there's a few missions that NASA hoped to accomplish with the space shuttle. The first one was to actually build a reusable rocket. Got it. 
That's and, a huge accomplishment yeah, in itself. Yeah. yeah. And then the second one was to um, to have a vehicle that's capable of doing satellite repairs and ferrying up cargo. Because the space shuttle, really, like, uh, 70% of the space shuttle was its cargo bay. Mm. And it had a massive cargo bay in which they used to bring down satellites, repair satellites. I think I've seen images of that. Maybe this is, Ishan, for me, when I was a kid, I had a toy space shuttle. And the top, like almost like a moonroof, the whole thing would open up. Is that what? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just my so toy. So basically, um, you have the cockpit, and from the cockpit to the rear, it's all just uh, a cargo bay. Wow, it's like it's basically like a semi truck. Yeah. Except merged with the space shuttle. Yeah. That's interesting. So. Um, How many missions did they take on the space oh, shuttle? Oh, they took like a hundred and thirty. Wow. And were they pretty successful? They were all successful. They only had two fails. The problem is there's so much crew aboard. If you fail, that's a lot of lives you lose. Like they lost like 12, 16 lives. You know what? Actually, now that you said that, in second grade for me, which was like I think around 1985, 1986, I remember the Challenger mission, which was part of the space shuttle program. We're all, we were all in class. And I remember watching the space shuttle take off and it blew up. On exit. Is that one of the failures? It blew up on ascent. Yes. On ascent on the way up. That's, mm -hmm. man, I was so sad. I was a little younger than you. Yeah. Watching in school and, you know, it's devastating. But yeah. then they had many successful missions yes. after that. And the success, I think, outweighed the failure here. I mean, we can still mourn a lot for the dead ones. Yeah, maybe remember them for everything that they contributed. But... The success, I think, outweighed because they managed to bring, I think, two satellites down and um, they managed to repair hundreds of satellites oh, and they built the ISS. And if you think of it, that's putting like a football size piece of cargo with, complete with like stations for humans to live in into space. Yeah, that's very true. But I only know of one. What was the second one? Was it the second one in Columbia? Yeah, the second the one first was one was Columbia. Challenger, and Columbia was like around 1990 sometime. And right? it was so sad because it was a, such a successful mission, and then suddenly. Oh, so this wasn't on the ascent, on it was on re entry. Yeah. Wow, that's so sad. There was a piece of foam that hit the left wing of the orbiter mm -hmm. at like 500 miles an hour, and it allowed atmospheric gases to bleed into the shuttle oh, during re entry, and eventually the Columbia was disintegrated in the atmosphere. Again, I know we've talked about it before, but space travel is dangerous. And, uh, and I mean, you just have to have a childlike sense of curiosity and exploration. Yeah. No, I guess I, I, that's a really good point. You're always have these words of wisdom, Ishan. <laughs> I feel like sometimes you're the dad and I'm the son. But I guess the childlike curiosity, it's also a childlike ability to be a little bit of a risk taker. I think as adults grow up, you tend to become a little bit less of a risk taker. Like, but. right now, when I think of I, me wanting to be an astronaut, yeah. like, the excitement outweighs the fear in such a way that I can't feel the fear at all right That's now. pretty cool, man. That's really cool. Well, space travel well, does that. So, after the space shuttle program wraps up, then what happens? Well, there was actually a big gap from... Um, the 2000s and 2011 to this year. This really? year, 2020. This year or maybe a little bit before that, right? Because I think all those programs started happening, but not travel, but started, there's some, some companies started but emerging. This, yeah, there were some companies were emerging, that's for sure. 
but the this is the big space travel year. This is a mm. really big year. It's been a banner year for face, SpaceX so far. It's been um, Blue Origin's been doing so much. NASA's been doing so much. It's a great space flight year. This year. So you said Blue Origin, NASA, and SpaceX. And, and this is the Dianetics. first time in Dianetics. And this is the first time you mentioned a couple of new companies. So what yeah. what were they known for? Well, they actually came out from nothing, and I'll talk more about this as we go towards the future. Okay. But there's a secret to be revealed on how they all, all those three companies emerged. Mm. So, continuing forward from the space shuttle program into those empty years, you know, the ISS was up there, and Soyuz ferried people up and down mm -hmm. from Russia. It was great. And... Um, there was a lot of testing that was done for SpaceX rockets and Blue Origin rockets. Dianetics has still never built a rocket before, and I don't think they ever will build a rocket capable of liftoff. Um, but the big milestone came in 2018 when the world's strongest operational rocket currently lifted off called the Falcon Heavy, and that's manufactured by SpaceX. Very successful mission. And it put Starman into a fleeting, Starman's the Tesla Roadster that they sent out, the red Tesla. And he's now in an orbit around the sun. And <laughs> yeah, he's in a sun orbit. Wow. And SpaceX might try to use their new, their new Starship to recover him. Wow. So you said the Falcon Heavy is out, a reusable rocket? Well, it's, well, all SpaceX rockets I want to throw out there are partially reusable. The second stage of all the rockets, the one with the one big Merlin engine, mm -hmm. that one is expanded. I got it. But I mean, it's that was actually a point that maybe we skipped over. There was some point in time where I think it was SpaceX invented the rocket, not only that took off, but also landed in one piece unmanned. Is that true? Yes. But the, t the thing is, it wasn't as big. SpaceX wasn't as big at that time. Got it. But so, it seems like they were kind of like tinkering in their lab, creating yeah, some like exciting that. possibilities for future mm -hmm. space travel. So, um, yeah, in 2018, the Falcon Heavy lifted off. 2019's been quiet. Really, the only launches that have been happening are like rideshare launches that are from the U.S. And so... Um, probably Arian Space, the France company has been launching their Vega, Arian 5, and then of course the Soyuz, that, that rocket's amazing. They might retire and build a new one, but that's had so many successful crewed missions carrying astronauts up to the ISS and back down. It's been amazing. And let's dive into the exciting space year of 2020. For all. I know. So we're going to have to go to be continued. I will see you in the next episode. We'll get that up ASAP. But for now, this is Space Kid Eshawn signing off from my galaxy to yours. <laughs> <laughs>